Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we will be covering the two new releases of Barbenheimer. Uh, first up, we will talk about Oppenheimer, which is directed by Christopher Nolan. And then we will talk about Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. For both of these movies, we will do non-spoilers and then move into spoilers. There will be time codes down below, uh, so you can jump around if you want. All right, let's get into it. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Oppenheimer is the latest film by Christopher Nolan. It is shot with long-time partner Hoyte Van Hoytema, one of my favorite cinematographers. It follows the life of Oppenheimer, who is a famous physicist who developed the atomic bomb uh, and kind of a bit before and after a little bit about his legacy um but really i would say the core of the movie focuses around the creation of the atomic bomb and starting off modern warfare and the cold war and and those repercussions uh it stars killian murphy as oppenheimer it also features matt damon florence Pugh, uh, emily blunt um why am I Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Rami Malek. And it's it's an all-star cast. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. Everyone's excited to be there. So it's every scene, even a small character, is often played by a recognizable actor. So I'm not going to list all of them here now. Um, it is three hours long. Uh, Christopher Nolan was very insistent on making this R-rated. And I think those two things are what makes this movie not work for me and like we we got a lot of flack on the internet for saying we (laughs) didn't like this movie but this movie was literally made for everett yeah like studied physics loves film three hour long movie about physics it would normally be right up his alley and christopher nolan one of my favorite directors interstellar a three-hour movie about physics directed by christopher nolan one of my all-time favorites literally the movie that made him want to study physics (laughs) like (laughs) yeah this this really should have worked and i will say there are some moments that are spectacular phenomenal yeah there is also a lot that is long and unnecessary that just makes it the reason i don't love this movie or wouldn't recommend it to people is it's a big commitment it has its moments that i'm like i just i don't think it's worth the like going to and spending your money for this and it's a movie i don't know as much as there are moments i love i don't know that i'll ever watch this again because there's so much i don't want to sit through yeah um and during the arguments on the internet someone said the first part did feel like a string of trailers put together and that's how we feel too like obviously we'll go more into it in the spoilers but like the first act is so long and has nothing happening like you don't get to know any of the characters well it's not that nothing's happening it's that everything is happening and it doesn't slow down you get snippets you get the trailer of these moments of oppenheimer's life you get a 30 second scene that is really fast-paced dialogue and then it jumps to something new and then two hours later that character shows back up in a crucial role and you're like whoa wait i saw him for 30 seconds they said one line that was supposed to be the most profound thing and then now they're supposed to be important and i i get there is that that line of this is what actually happened 
this is what actually happened and these are the people who did these things so you can't necessarily change some stuff um versus you know there are movies out there that will just go oh yeah we combined all these scientists into one character so it's easier for the audience and i'm not saying you have to do that i'm just saying I think there's a version of this movie with a few less of these moments with side characters because all these conversations are maybe based in fact, yes, he talked to so-and-so, yes, he went here, but you don't know exactly what was said when he's just hanging out with friends. So why include it? Why include it if it's just going to add a bunch of side characters to be like, yeah, you remember that moment in history? Oh, you recognize that scientist's name? Oh, this, oh, this. And if we slow down and make this first act about establishing who Oppenheimer the man is and why he's the one for this project instead of all trying to set up all these side characters and events, then I care so much more when the second and third act kick in and really delve into Oppenheimer the man and the repercussions of everything he's done. But because I never got to see him and focus on a few of the important players in his life i don't connect and i think a great example of this is interstellar a really long movie about physics um the entire first act is just getting to know a family on a farm it does not do much else except let you see the dynamics of this family get attached to them so then when he leaves and goes to space you understand the decisions and the struggle and the pain that this is putting him through. And then when you have your third act's climax, you care. Yeah. This movie, I never got to know Oppenheimer because it didn't slow down enough for you to get to know him. Yeah. Um, I don't have much input on this before the spoilers just because it was not a movie I was excited for. (laughs) Um, It was exactly what I thought it would be. So, (laughs) but there are some things that bug me that I'll talk about when we... Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then just briefly here before spoilers, um, as I mentioned, Christopher Nolan was pretty adamant about making this R-rated. I think they say the F word twice, three times maybe. Like it's not like there's swearing or direct quotes that needed to be included. And then there's some gratuitous nudity for no reason. Literally no reason. It does not affect the plot. There is one moment where they're literally just sitting across from each other talking naked. Like put her in a robe. And it's the exact same scene. Because you didn't know what happened. Like (laughs) Yeah. If you put her in a robe and see the exact same scene, it would be pg-13 you could see a wider audience you don't have to continue this world and again it's only female nudity like yeah the guy is naked but you don't see anything or whatever so it's just female nudity which is unnecessary unnecessary and an issue in and of itself in hollywood and there's a lot of conversation about the age gap issue with florence Pugh and killian murphy but in the movie i think it makes sense that's not where my issue is it's just why yeah because that's yeah another big issue for me is just like they they're naked in it and then she's maybe in a total of five minutes of scenes in this entire movie so it was just like it could have been implied and we could have spent more time on his character yeah you know or instead of spending you know your 30 seconds with this character having her be naked 
you could have spent these 30 seconds establishing their relationship because she is a huge influence on him and again she's in five minutes of the movie and has a huge kind of impact that only gets shown for like 20 seconds of screen time in the second third act and she's naked for three of the five minutes yeah so (laughs) yeah uh this is you know as we said there are some amazing moments i think it's shot beautifully by hoyte van hoytema but kind of cut to pieces it's so fast-paced the cutting that you never get to enjoy these beautiful shots um and yeah it is what it is but i think we'll we'll move into spoilers now all right spoilers for oppenheimer skip ahead if you don't want any spoilers here we go yeah i don't think there's really like if you know the story in real life it's nothing you're going to be surprised about yeah oppenheimer is a brilliant physicist theorist about quantum mechanics and has an intuitive grasp of it and whatever ends up becoming a professor um and kind of bringing quantum quantum mechanics to america because they kind of poo-pooed it and whatever it was more european science and then he gets ends up and yet despite his communist connections and background um they bring him on because he's kind of the only man who might be capable of weaponizing quantum mechanics and creating an atomic bomb and he pulls together a group of scientists he kind of sets up the national laboratory system with los alamos and a couple others that now is still in effect and i actually have family who work at national laboratories and stuff um and follows that and then there's the trinity test bomb explodes proof that they can do it they're kind of excited but then realizing the ramifications of nuclear warfare some of the scientists aren't as comfortable with it but he's committed to well even he is like giving the pros and cons but mostly cons about it yeah he's torn but he's still driving the project and he's hoping that they make it prove it works and then never have to use it in just the concept but of course america ends up dropping the bombs on civilians in japan um and then there's they kind of there's a moment that really kind of delves into that which is one of my favorite moments in the entire yeah, film it's the best moment in the film for um, sure. where he's speaking to all the scientists and families at los alamos after the bombing and he's kind of fully realizing what he's done um and it's incredible one of the best scenes of the year and i love it uh and then kind of jumps forward to when he was up for his security clearance again and some politicians and stuff who were didn't like him and his style and his kind of turning scientists quote-unquote against them and his communist leanings and just all of this kind of stuff they saw him as too powerful and wanted to take him down and that's robert downey jr's character and we kind of see both that not trial trial of him trying to get his security clearance again and getting it uh, denied which is where some of our beef comes in because rami malik is the one who ends up putting robert downey jr in his place but he's only been in two minutes of the movie and we have no idea really yeah why he's if it wasn't rami malik i would not have remembered who that was the only reason i recognized him when he stood up is i went oh yeah rami malik i saw him earlier in this movie but if it was just joe schmo he would come up at the end and I'd go, did I, did, who, do we know him? Do we know Literally him? all he did was he stood wrote, next to he, another scientist. He stood next to another scientist and took notes. And then he asked 
uh, Oppenheimer to sign a petition, and he smacked a clipboard out of his hand. And then in that scene where he smacks the clipboard out of his hand, turns to a different scientist and talks with him for the duration of the scene and then leaves. Yeah. So again, maybe that's what happened, but why do we not give Rami Malek a little more to do or add, you know, cut out a little bit of the some of the other side characters and spend some moments what does rami malik do what is he studying show me a bit more about him what's his relationship with oppenheimer is this like is he why is he stepping forward why is it him and it's like i get that it's kind of like oppenheimer didn't know what he was doing so we don't know what he was doing you know what i mean but like he's the one who does this big twist at the end and turns against Robert Downey Jr., but we don't know even why he would have voted for him in the first place. Yeah. We don't know who he is. <laughs> so that's, yeah. And so I think that's kind of a, the overall issue with this film. Similar to Florence Pugh's character, who has the gratuitous nudity for no reason, we're more concerned with making sure she's in sex scenes than establishing her and Oppenheimer's relationship. I think they are better developed. Yeah, but he was, like, so in love with this woman that he has a breakdown when she dies. Yeah, he has, like, he goes off, she calls him once, and he leaves Los Alamos, risks getting thrown off the project and losing his wife and everything to go sleep with her for one night. And then she ends up committing suicide and he's like having a breakdown in the forest. But we see it for 30 seconds and clearly it's had a major impact on him and clearly it's important, but we don't spend time. And then Emily Blunt's reaction to it. We didn't know Emily Blunt. All we know her as the guy or as the girl who cheated on her husband with Oppenheimer and got knocked up. And, then and literally was just mean alcoholic for the rest of the movie. And like, and she also was only in like maybe 15 minutes of yeah. scenes. But then she's the one who in his court case turns one of the people to vote for keeping Oppenheimer's clearance. Like she's the one who changes his mind because she pulls herself together and is like, yeah. really, gives us really powerful like statement and i really enjoyed that part too that's my favorite scene yeah she was fantastic and it's again it's just why did we not get to know who these people were and surely oppenheimer had more than 15 minutes of conversation with his wife and with his mistress like we could have learned more about who they are so that as they play these major moments in his life we understand the impact and it was such a long movie that they like tried to make a lot of the stuff artsy which some of it looked very beautiful but at the same time had we made i don't know any more character development it would have been a more put together film for us yeah and like a lot of people also argue it's a historical movie so character development is you know you can't just change moments to develop the character the way you want and that's not what i'm asking for if you think oppenheimer didn't grow or change as a person in 10 years of working on a nuclear bomb and then having it explode hundreds of thousands of civilians i think that's foolish and those personal relationships will have changed and developed and just like any person and so there is a fascinating story here of dr oppenheimer I just don't think this movie captured it as well as it could have. Yeah. And I'm I'm not really a super long movie person, but the last two thirds of this movie were mostly just the last third, but like the two thirds were really good. 
And it could have been something that, like, changed my mind from something I was dreading to something I enjoyed. But that first act was yeah, just... Yeah, the fact the first hour, hour and a half of the movie is a scene, a collection of scenes that never last more than a minute. It's so breakneck to try and include all these moments that if that was 15, 20 minutes of just, like, this is who Oppenheimer is, get to know him in these couple of key moments in his life, or we'll flash back to them during this movie as it becomes relevant or whatever and it's a two to two and a half hour movie about the making of the nuclear bomb and its ramifications and what what happened to Oppenheimer this is a amazing masterpiece of historical filmmaking and phenomenal but because of the way it's structured and paced I just I, I'm not going to sit through an hour hour and a half of nonsense <laughs> and just a collection of scenes and moments with people saying things like basically the gist of the dialogue is Oppenheimer you're such a genius but do you know what this power can do and him going I am a genius and yes this power is strong what will it do to the world jump to the next scene Oppenheimer you're <laughs> such a genius did you know that if a nuclear thing explodes it might ignite the atmosphere Oh no, we'll have to figure that out. Next scene. Oppenheimer, you genius, you figured it out. Yeah. And that's like <laughs> all the characters are just so underdeveloped. Um, who's that guy that we like who is in Safty. The yeah. Safty brother, yeah. One of the Safty brothers is in it and like he's very clearly an impactful character. Yeah. And he maybe speaks ten times. And they kind of like the scientists ostracize him and Oppenheimer literally there's a scene where they go yeah we're gonna meet for an hour every week to talk about your development of the h-bomb which is a huge part of why they want to kick Oppenheimer out because he doesn't want to work on the h-bomb in the future and they never show one conversation between them and not like, one yeah that's the moment to have those if he if you're gonna establish that they met for an hour a week for a year two years three years why don't we see that? Why don't we get to know them and see the falling out between them over the H-bomb or why yeah. the scientist would turn his back on Oppenheimer when his security clearance comes up? Yeah. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> it's so... just... Like, why include that in there and then never go into... I don't know. Yeah. It's just... So maybe there's a four-hour cut of this movie where that has character development and for whatever reason they choose to cut out character moments in favor of just historical moments. I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's well, our thoughts on Oppenheimer. So what would you rate it? Uh, Four. I'm going to be slightly more generous and go five. Just in that about half, the second half of the movie I do really like. And at least the first half is shot by Hoyte Van Hoytema, who is insane. Go watch Ad Astra if you haven't. That movie is gorgeous. Um, but, yeah, there we go. That's our thoughts on Oppenheimer. Four. Truman needs to know what's next. Two, what's next? One. All right. Um, for my pick this week that Everett tried to take and make his pick. This um, was my most anticipated movie of 2023. I turned you onto it and was like year or whatever ago when they were like first announcing production stuff. I was like, hey, Barbie's coming out. This is going to be the best movie. We got to go see this. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then he wanted me to pick <laughs> Oppenheimer for my choice. Well, we had to cover it. That simply would not be the case. Um, so my pick 
was Barbie, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig, who's one of his favorite directors oh God, ever. He loves her. Um, this stars Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling, who is one of his favorite actors of all time. If not my favorite actor of yeah, all time. He loves Ryan Gosling. <laughs> um, and we liked it. It's a fun, satirical comedy about the modern age, and which is yeah. one of my favorite genres, like, Again, if you're talking about movies made for me, and one of the trailers is a spoof on 2001 A Space Odyssey, but with Barbie, like, come on, this is, it was made for me, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it was really great, and the more I think about it, the more I like it, the more uh, gross men on the internet drag it in their reviews <laughs> because it involves too much feminism, the more I like it. Yep. Um, <laughs> I I and thought it was honestly, really great. for a movie that is very clearly a feminist movie like that's what it's about it also gives a fair shake to men i don't think it's just a men all suck (laughs) because feminism is about equality and that is what this movie is about it's showing the unfair like standards for women and if it was switched what it would be like for men to let them see you know like how it is for women in daily life but it also covers the fact that nobody should have to feel that way. Yeah, and I think the underdeveloped brains of internet males just couldn't get through the fact that Barbie wasn't just there to be hot, and so they refused to engage with the movie and actually think about its message, which is not that men suck, all men are evil. It's that people should not exert power over others for arbitrary reasons. Yeah, and it also (laughs) just covers, you know, what it's like to be human and how you could have a perfect world where everything is perfect and great for you but once you realize that like there are other emotions out there you want to feel those too even if they're hard you know like it's just it's great (laughs) yeah it's a really good movie um i literally earlier this morning was like the second barbie is able to be bought or rented we need to watch it again because i'm itching to see it yeah and even my grandma saw the trailer and she's like i didn't realize it was about feminism i'm ready to watch it now so yeah it's also it's it's got some fun musical numbers the humor is just so dry and dumb but smart and it's really just a fun time at the theater. Yeah, and, you know, more to the dismay of the stupid internet trolls, it's very inclusive of body types, you know, abilities, transgender cast. Like, it's just, it's very great. Yeah, it's Different, a yeah. great modern movie. And I I understand there's also a contingent of people that are like, Greta Gerwig sold out because she's doing a big budget you know movie about a toy and it's just you know like the lego movie it's just product placement she should only do dramas was one of the comments that yeah negative reviews she got (laughs) and it's like don't isn't it okay to have fun yeah (laughs) like Like, and i hate fun yeah like emerald always teases me because i'm anti-fun as we joke but like movies there are movies that are about artistic endeavors and teaching you about emotions and other people's lives and delving like an Oppenheimer that delves into heavier material and tries to say something about the world there's also a place for movies that are fun and, and that teach you about you, the world yeah, in a fun and way and leave you feeling good and like yes the world is in a rough spot right now but we can do better 
and we will do better. And yeah. I like that sentiment. It's good to feel good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this was a near perfect movie for me. Like, the more I think about it, the more I like it. I know Everett kind of went the opposite way where he was like, the more I think about it, it's not as perfect as I would have liked. But yeah. for me, it's near perfect. There's like maybe five minutes, five scenes that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I think, and where I'm like, it's not the perfect movie is just, it is my most anticipated movie for like two years now. I've been waiting for this. I, it's one of my all-time favorite directors, all-time favorite cast, like everything lines up perfectly. And I, again, I really enjoyed it, but I was half waiting through some of the movie to be like, when is this going to switch and like again not that Greta Gerwig has to do a drama but I was waiting for that slightly more and it comes in a small amount but it is first and foremost a satirical comedy not a drama and I was waiting for it to be a little more drama-y you just wanted Toy Story 3 (laughs) (laughs) and so I was kind of waiting for that and I think there's a chance on rewatch when I know that it's just basically wall-to-wall jokes i'm gonna enjoy it much more yeah um yeah i don't know if we can do much more without the spoilers so let's head into those yeah all right so this is barbie spoilers um if you do not want to hear spoilers for this skip ahead um we have time codes at the bottom and everything but this starts with barbie living in barbie dreamland every day is the perfect day she literally floats down from her barbie dream house like the background song is just singing about what she's doing every second of her life she says hi to all her friends her breakfast makes itself like it's the perfect life and it's very much she's getting played with because like the cups that she drinks out of are empty the like stuff she pours it's her very shower, no water comes out of yeah. it but she's like oh it's the perfect temperature yeah it's very barbie you know um and then one day she goes to take a step and her feet are flat and <laughs> you know everything starts to go wrong from there she thinks about death She has cellulite in her thigh. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you know, she's no longer stereotypically beautiful Barbie, which they mention in the movie Margot Robbie is not the correct casting for that because she is so gorgeous. And she was the perfect Barbie. Yeah. She's so pretty, so fun, so great. such a talented, her comedic timing, her emotional beats, like she nails every moment of this film, as you would expect. And all her Barbie looks are so perfect and drawn from actual Barbies. And I just, it was great. (laughs) I was very much a Barbie girl growing up i love barbies um (laughs) but yes it follows her and then she has to go see weird barbie uh to get fixed and weird barbie tells her she has to close the rift that has opened between barbie land and the real world um because somebody who's playing with her is having a hard time and that's what's putting these bad things into her um yeah and so she goes to the real world and Ryan Gosling's Ken sneaks and tags along. <laughs> what a doofus. Yeah. What a fun time. <laughs> and throughout this, you know, Barbie Land is women run, women hold all the powerful jobs, women do everything. And Ken is just Ken. He's beach. He's his, beach. His, his role is beach. Not lifeguard, not surfer. His role is beach. <laughs> yeah. So all he does is just hang out on the beach. No, and he obsess- doesn't hang out on the beach. All he does is beach. Yeah. And he obsesses over Barbie. And because that's what he's designed to do. 
Um, and so they go to the real world, and he discovers the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and horses. Yeah, and horses. <laughs> and he thinks the patriarchy is just men being tough on horses. But he realizes that people respect him there. And there's a scene where they're walking together, and she's starting to get uncomfortable. And he's like, wow, people are actually looking at me like they respect me. There is no undertone of violence. And she's like, mine has an undertone of violence. <laughs> yeah, like, they're in their like, classic role blading outfit so she's in like a tight bikini top and or like um yeah a thong swimsuit, swimsuit yeah outfit and he's just in like a you know bright colored shirt with his abs showing and stuff and he's like oh this is this is great everyone loves me and she's like i feel like someone's gonna do something to yeah, me like, and she's I like, i'm gonna get murdered um and so it's like realizing what it is to be in the real world as a woman versus being a man yeah and there's this idea within Barbie dream world that Barbie has solved the world's issues because she was created to be a feminist icon and therefore all women are now happy and perfect. And so she gets the real world and is expecting every little girl to come run up and hug her because she's the hero. And that women are going to be in all these positions of power. They go to a construction site at lunch because she thinks that's the perfect place to find a woman to talk to. And there's all men. She just gets catcalled. And... Yeah. And so she's on this other journey realizing what it's like to be a man in Barbie world. Whereas Ken's realizing what it's like to have the power that Barbie has. And so... As much as people want to say this is just a feminist movie, it really is about equality, which is what feminism is. Yeah. Even though gross men on the internet don't think so, that <laughs> is what it is. Um, and so she goes and she thinks that this teenager is the one who's playing with her and putting all these dark thoughts in her head. And when she talks to this teenager, she realizes that Barbie is the reason for a lot of these unrealistic beauty standards that are put on the world. And a lot of girls do not like her because they've grown to hate themselves because of that Barbie can do anything and is beautiful and they're normal. So yeah, um and meanwhile then, someone asks Ryan Gosling what time it is and he feels powerful because they believe he would know this information. He wears four <laughs> watches later because he's so <laughs> moved by this moment. Um and yeah, so they're on these two completely separate journeys, and she realizes it wasn't the teenager, but the mom of the teenager who works at Mattel, um, who has been playing with her because she's just reminiscing about the times that her and her daughter used to play together. Um, and Will Ferrell's in it. <laughs> I have nothing really to what say about him. I don't really like him. I... Yeah, I thought I, he was perfect for this role, though. I thought I he was, he was fine in this role. Um, and they're just a bunch of men in the Mattel boardroom who control the distribution of Barbie, which comes in later when uh, America Ferrera she makes a comment about how they should just make normal Barbie, and he goes, "No, that's stupid. Barbie's meant to be beautiful." And this other guy goes, "Um, actually, that'll make you a lot of money." He's like, "You're in," you know. So. <laughs> There's a great scene, all his boardroom guys just follow him or whatever, and of course they have to do stuff the, the manly way and whatever, but there's a scene where they're all just rollerblading uh, in LA, 
And I, I don't know what it was, but that was so funny to me to just see like 15 men in suits being so serious as they rollerblade after Barbie. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> and this movie also has a great cast. I'm just going to pause this what the story is about thing really quick to talk about the cast. Um, Margot Robbie, obviously perfect Barbie. Ryan Gosling, I thought was the perfect Ken. I've gotten, I've seen a couple videos on TikTok where people say that he shouldn't have been Ken. But I'm like, you obviously haven't seen the movie. He's so funny. He's the perfect Ken. Um, Issa Rae plays President Barbie. Kate McKinnon plays Weird Barbie. Perfect as Weird Barbie. She is Weird Barbie. Because she is beautiful. She's very clearly could have been a very beautiful Barbie in her time, but she's also very funny. But she she was was played with too hard. And so her hair is cut and she's got drawings on her face and a weird outfit. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alexandra's ship is just Barbie. Emma Mackie is just Barbie. There's three different uh, cast members from Sex Education that are in this, and I really liked that show, so I like to see them in this. Um, Hari Neff is also Barbie. She's Dr. Barbie. Um, but Sharon Rooney is <laughs> Barbie. Uh, Anna Cruz Kane, Barbie, you know, and it's fun that they're all, there's like mermaid Barbie and stuff, but they're all just barbie yeah and then there's a bunch of guys who are just ken, ken. uh simu liu it plays uh basically ryan gosling's ken's biggest rival um and they have a really great dynamic uh john cena plays a mermaid ken yeah which is hilarious uh you got michael Sarah as alan who kind of got the the short end of the stick in this yeah. movie i mean he that, always does but <laughs> yeah, which is the joke is that it's alan so of course he's kind of forgotten about and just has these moments but he's he's really funny and it was great to see him pop up yeah. in this perfect role for him yeah so they go out they do all this stuff whatever um ken goes back to barbie land and turns it into ken land or no kendom kendom and his something um, yeah dojo mojo casa house yeah <laughs> and he introduces all the kens to the patriarchy and lets them learn what it's like to be in a male run world and all the barbies kind of just fall into it because that's just how it is they're just yep. kind of brainwashed into it and then barbie realizes she has to go back whatever they save the world and they almost vote to turn it back into just barbie land ruled by barbie and the president is like no i don't think that anyone should have to feel inferior everyone should be equals um barbie meets the creator of barbie they have a weird emotional talk for a minute which was my only beef with the movie because <laughs> i it it ended up being okay but i had this just moment where i was like please don't do this stupid thing but yeah i think this was the moment where they were like we've had some serious moments but they always end up being played off slightly comedic or end with a joke or something instead of just being serious the whole way through and they're like all right we need to actually just be clear for a minute and you know yes it's funny and we're having good joking time whatever but let's just take a moment and just be like you know what you can be anything you can do whatever you want but it's not going to be easy and so she shows her just like before you decide to be human i have to warn you this is what it's like and shows her just a collage of all these videos of women and all these different moments that are just like you could be sad you could be angry you could be happy you could be whatever but you it's all of them you can't just pick and choose it's not every day is the perfect day and margot robbie is like yes i want this and then it ends with her going to her gynecologist for the first time and that's it that's barbie but it's (laughs) it's really great and the message is very clear 
even though it's very funny. Yeah. And they did pick all their comedic moments perfectly. Ken's song about oh my god being the perfect anywhere else he'd be a 10, but in Barbie land, Barbie doesn't see him or respect he's him. And he's just, it's and then so he wears perfect. a sweatshirt at the end that says, I am Knuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to buy it forever. Uh, it's so funny. That's great. Yeah. I, there's not a lot of, bad for this movie i didn't mind that moment at the end because i think the movie had earned it by being so fun and clever yeah. up until that point there is a car chase in the middle that to me just felt like a chevy trailblazer or whatever car yeah. Trev- chevy whatever it ad, felt like an yeah. ad for that car it's in perfect condition with nice colored seat belts and a blue car and yeah. there's swings by it's just like a car commercial in la or something yeah but, you know, those, you got to pay the bills. Yeah. So. And the more I think back on it, the less mad I am about the dramatic scene. I think it's just because I was expecting it to go into something more yeah. stupid that I just, like, was filled with anxiety about <laughs> it because I'd loved the movie so much up to that point. That, But the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, no, that it makes sense and it's well-placed. And I do like that that's the end. And, yeah, I, I really loved it. Yeah, and I think there's... Um... There's one line that I I really liked. Um, I forget who says it. I think it was the mom, the like main character mom, but it might have been someone. It might have been the create. No, it was, I think the creator of Barbie says it to Barbie at one point, and she's like, um, "The hardest thing is like a mother has to stand still so her daughter can look back and see how far she's gone." And I was like, "Oh, that's so sad yeah. and so sweet." And like, so the- there's like. There's a really great message about not just being a woman or feminism or a but, human, but but just like the connection we have with others and our place in the world and what our actions can do to others and stuff. Like again, and it's it's smart enough and written to an intelligence level that I think middle school and up will be able to really connect with this movie. But there's no real moments that are so bad younger kids can't go to it. Yeah. I think they just won't have as fun. Yeah. And then there is a long speech that whips one of the Barbies out of her brainwashing where um, the mom's talking about how hard it is to be a woman and stuff. And it's like, it is heavy handed and a little long and much, but it's so accurate to how it feels to be a woman in the real world. I can see both sides. I'm like, yes, it goes for a little long, but what part of it are you going to take out? That's the issue. Because everything is a completely valid point. And then they even, (laughs) it's like, you can't even say they could shorten it because then they talk to the other Barbies to wash out or get rid of their brainwashing because they're literally more points are made and it's more, it's so accurate. And every point is new and distinct from the last. It's not just repeating itself or, you know, saying the same thing over and over. It's making new and unique points that are relevant to the story. And we have read so many reviews on this, and the only negative reviews are from angry men who are mad that it's woke feminism. Um, And then one woman who said Greta Gerwig should only make dramas. And that's literally... The, all the bad reviews so yeah. far. I mean, I know it is like the opening weekend, but... Yeah, and again, we only, you know, it was a scroll through Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sure, you know, if you want to, you can find more reviews from people who didn't connect with this. And often, comedies don't connect with everyone. Fair enough, whatever. But we, we loved it. We had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what would you rate it? I am going to give this a 9 out of 10. Yeah. It is so near a perfect movie for me, but I think it just... 
it only misses out on that 10 because even though I intend to watch this again it didn't there was something that just didn't quite scratch that itch in my brain yeah. just ever so slightly it's a 9 out of 10 for me definitely a rewatch but not one that I'd rewatch 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 maybe maybe I will once I've seen <laughs> it again but it is a 9 out of 10 for me as yeah. well, which I know a lot of people who have listened to our podcast say that I judge harshly and <laughs> that I never give good movie scores. So a 9 out of 10 is really good. Go see Barbie. <laughs> Alrighty, and that's it for Barbie. Hey Barbie, can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. All right. Thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie and tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're on an audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.